Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert Cannon, and this is Figure of Speech, a podcast dedicated to the impact of forensics. Episode 17, Israel Beltran. Israel, welcome in. Nice to have you. Thank you, man. Thank you. And respect respect for the, the theme song. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I really do. Yeah, I did that all myself. I respect. No, it's dope. I, I really did, dig I it. I didn't do that myself. That's <laughs> a band called Man Man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, you should so. check them out. Israel, uh, you, what years did you compete? Uh, competed in... You started what year? I was 23, so it was 2013. 2013, 2013 until 2013. when? 2013 until 2017. 2017, yeah. okay. So, walk us through. How did you get started in, in speech? Did you do debate when you were competing? I never did debate. Okay, so I always wanted to. My coaches were always like... No. no. <laughs> I wanted to do also That's like sad. platform. I also wanted to do platforms. Uh, and they were like, no. Well, talk us no. through it. How did you get involved? Um, so it's a bit of a long story about my life, but to make it very shorter, uh, just getting straight to the forensics, mm-hmm. I finally came back to school after like a five-year hiatus, and I took an English class, and I kept writing papers in the class, and the professor was like, you write good, but you write it like a speech. Stop writing it like a speech. Write it like an essay. And like I, an essay? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. No. <laughs> but uh, write it like a like an essay. Don't write it. Don't write it like a speech. And at the end of the class, uh, I got a C, and he told me that I should take a comm class so I can learn the difference between a speech and like writing a proper paper, uh-huh. according to him. And I took a class. And it was fun. It was just fun. It was it was really fun to go up and perform. And on top of that, uh, the professor that I have, J. Edward Stevenson, who is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, if anyone knows who J. Edward Stevenson, they know that he's a phenomenal human being. Very caring, uh, majored in interpersonal, which is what I want to major in now. Mm-hmm. Or he had a concentration in that. He majored in communication. Uh, just because he knows how to nurture people and, and put the energy that you're sending to a more positive route so we can both mutually grow and i love that about him but uh did you you didn't go into college with that in mind oh no no not even not even the slightest not even the slightest i I was just trying to go back to school to become an english teacher uh but when i took the class he kept telling me oh you should join the team you should join the team and after a long time of hearing, like, you should join the team. I was like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it for a semester. I'll just it's good to work on you. Very much so. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, very much so because we bonded. I, I, there's no other way to put it. We just bonded. Like, he got along with me. I got along with him. And he encouraged me to join. I, frankly, they were looking for people because they didn't have a really big team at the time. But mm-hmm. it still doesn't change the fact that we bonded. And, you know, I, I did it for the sake of getting to know him better mm-hmm. and getting to know like the team because he kept saying, "Oh, I think you'll get along with the team. I think you'll get along with the team." And uh he was right. He was right. Um well, you're an easy guy to get along with. So Not 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 entirely true. Not entirely true. Not entirely true. I I'm, disagree. <laughs> I, I find you to be very easy to get along with. You're I, easy going. I'm laid back, uh but I'm also like I shun people. I can't help it cuz I'm a natural loner. Cuz you're racist? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that Mexican. I'm not that Mexican. I'm not that Mexican. So uh, as, uh, you, you shun people because of what? Uh, I'm a natural loner. Like, mm. I naturally um, like s- to spend some solemn time with myself. Yeah. 
It's just who I am. I can't help it. It might be because growing up, I was very much an outsider because um, I grew up in Mexico, and I moved to the States when I was five years old. Gotcha. And when I moved to the States, and that's the other thing. I call it I call it the States because that's how we call it in Mexico. We don't call it America. We call it the States. Um, but when I moved here, I only spoke Spanish. And when I went to school, everyone made fun of me for that. Everyone made fun of me for that. And, like, uh, I feel kind of weird saying it now that it's getting recorded, but I've said this story a bunch of times. Like, uh, people were calling me slurs because I didn't know how to speak English. Even though I'm very light-skinned and I have passing privilege, they were still calling me that stuff. And, like, I still remember uh, – I don't even remember where I was at, where I was wearing, what my dad was wearing, nothing like that. I just remember the feeling – of when I asked my dad, like, Dad, what what does wetback mean? You know, and, like, the anger that he had. And oh, he was man. like, don't you ever say that word again. Don't you ever say that word. Um, it, And that's the reason why, like, to this day I don't really like bigotry because yeah. I kind of dealt with it, but not the same level. Not, not me. Same. I love bigotry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know too many people who are really fans of bigotry, but I got you. I'm like, no, I yeah, know what yeah. you mean. No, because I also feel like, Colorism is a big, big issue mm. in a lot of communities. And, like, in my personal opinion, a lot of by, people By colorism, it. do you mean, like, what what shade of color skin you have, even though you're Latino? Yeah, but it's not just, like, it's in India, it's in Africa, like, it's, uh, sorry, it's all over the place. Um, and it's not just, like, pigment, and also it goes with, like, knowledge, like, oh, well, you don't speak. Cantonese, you right. don't speak Mandarin, so you're a white person. Got you're it. not really Chinese, or whatever the case may be. I love that we've been t- talking on this podcast for five minutes now. We're already into race. <laughs> That's how fast we're going to racism here. Um, but talk us back. Okay, so you, you got kind of roped into doing, uh, in, into doing. I wouldn't say roped in. I was com- I was persuaded. Oh, I see. I was persuaded. Eh, tomato, tomato. <laughs> You say uh, persuaded, I say roped in. Uh, so you, you got hooked one way or the other, yeah. whether that's by uh, by just sheer appeal. And mm-hmm. you start going to, you, I guess, first of all, you have to get some sort of training, right? Yeah, so I was getting... To show you what to do. I was getting trained, and um, it was kind of hard at first because we had to memorize. Mm-hmm. And I to the very last day, I struggled with memorization. Mm-hmm. I struggled with it. Like, my record is memorizing a piece in two days, but it's still, it's a lot of work for me. Um, but on one of the days to encourage us, uh, the professor who was also the coach, cause it was a class, uh, had the traveling team go in and perform for us mm. and all of them performed. Oh, this is actually a funny story. Uh, so Raul Herrera, uh, who's a very dear friend of mine and I, I would love for him to hear this cause he's such, a <laughs> he's such a narcissist. No, but I love you, bro. Uh, when I first met him, when I first, first met him, mind you, I'm a very big guy. When I first, first met him, I was, like, packing my stuff to go to my art class because I was taking an art class at the time. And he was coming down the aisle. And because he had to get past me, he felt very – I never met this dude before. He felt very, very comfortable to poke me in my belly <laughs> and say, watch out, big boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so pissed. I was like, what the – why are you touching me, man? Why are you touching me? Like, I was so mad. But, like, being the reserve person that I am, I just walked away. And the day that they were performing, he walked up, and I was like, this bitch. Like, this this fool right here is going to walk up right now. Um, 
but he gave me goosebumps. Yeah. He gave me goosebumps. His performance? His performance gave me goosebumps, and I just thought, I can do that. Mm. I can do that better. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that better. Like, I, it was in a weird way, and he likes to say it this way, that he made me a champion because I wanted to prove that I was better than him. Yeah. And that's kind of true because uh, I really wanted to beat him, but at the same time, I just enjoyed it. Like, I never had that feeling live, if that makes any sense, no, besides a musical concert. But, like, because we were just in a classroom. Yeah. But I felt that energy, and, like, I wanted it. But there's also something to be said for having a rival, you know. And, oh, without a doubt. And and if, especially a friendly rival. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I love really it. You really start pushing yourself at yeah. that point where you're yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I got to go. And and you're friends with the person. You want to see them succeed. But at the same time, it's like, I got to beat them. I got to beat no, them. No, I want them to. I want him to get silver so I can mm. get gold. Right. I want him right. to get silver so I can get right. gold. Um, I, I remember uh, in 2006, there were a couple of girls out of uh, Midwest. I want to say it was uh, – uh, I want to say it was Nebraska, and they won pros, first and second place in pros. And I remember being – this was at AFA. I remember watching them win. And they had a similar style of dress. They wore skirt suits, but they wore a tie. Mm-hmm. And it was just a really sharp look. And yeah. I remember watching them both up there, first and second place, and the whole audience knew you guys together kind of won this first and second yeah. place. And it was like, wow, how cool that you guys got to experience that. And – you know, you see teams that go crush an event like that. And um, I, I think George Mason in one year at, in Extemp had like first, second, third, and fourth yeah, place yeah, yeah, yeah. in Extemp or something like that. And it was, man, the, I would love to be part of a team that just crushed everyone like that. And yeah, it's a those, are, those are fun experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but it goes the same way in my book because not everyone can win. Mm-hmm. Like somebody has to go home right. taking the L. Yeah, you're right. And because of that, I think it makes it that much better because if everyone won, then it wouldn't be that special. Well, right. I mean, the idea, we, we talk about this with some of our students, mm-hmm. that you know, the, the trophy means something. And if it didn't mean something, if everybody got a trophy, then it wouldn't be worth anything. It wouldn't mean exactly. anything. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's get back to, okay, so they start training you and you go to your first tournament. Oh, so I go to my first tournament, and the rules is that you have to wear a suit, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a suit, <laughs> so I just wore a button-up shirt and some slacks. That's it with okay. my chucks, and with I chucks, was yeah, yeah right, there you go. and I was just observing, and I felt so out of place because everybody was so sharp and yeah. clean and all of that stuff, and like, I, for me, it's just the reality of the situation, but. People automatically, when they see you, they already judge you. Like, that's just human nature. Mm-hmm. So everyone, when they would see me, they were like, oh, this guy's a rook. They don't know what they're doing, you know? Right. And I didn't want people to, like, immediately think that. So I was like, I'm going to buy me a suit. <laughs> I'm going to get me a tie. Like, I, I went all out after that. But I went to the tournament. I did the same thing. My first tournament, my first college tournament, I showed up in, like, nice jeans and a shirt and, like, you know, nice shirt. But it yeah, was, yeah. like... This is not a suit at all. Yeah, exactly. Thankfully, I wasn't competing, though. So I was. <laughs> <laughs> no, they would not allow me to compete, but I was ready to compete. Yeah. But they said, no, you can observe, but you need to wear a suit. Okay. Um, and what do you remember what tournament that was? It was the Pasadena one. Mm. The Pasadena one. Yeah. I keep Lancer. Yes, there we go. I was going to say Unicorn, but yeah, Lancer. Mm-hmm. The Lancer one. Yeah. Uh, the 2013, I believe. Okay. Yeah. 
So you go there. Now, that's a, uh, a two-year competition. So yes. you have to be in your first two years of, of college. Yes. I think, I think four-year university students can go, but they have to be in their first two years of competition, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I honestly don't know. Like, I haven't I learned I a lot of the, the background. Yeah. Or the so you, you go there, uh, and what do you think? What, what's, your, what's your takeaway of the whole activity? It was cool. It was fun. And I just wanted to, like, I don't know how else to say it besides forensics was the first activity that I wanted to show out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, like, shut it down and show them, like, I could do this. I could do what you're doing and better. Like, I genuinely felt that way. And even when I lost, I would always think, I'm going to get better and I'm going to show you that I can do it. Like, right. it was the first time I had, like, ambition for it. Like, I tried boxing. I tried um, martial arts. I tried basketball. But... When I would lose, I was like, I'm just not good at this. I'm not meant for this. I'm right. not good at this. Like, I just naturally felt that sure way. Sure, love or not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> I love to fight for love. I love to fight for love. <laughs> so uh, you start training in what event? What's the first event that you start working at? Uh, well, the way they have it set up is that you have to do a single narrative. Mm-hmm. And then your second, you get to choose what you want to do. If you want to still do a single narrative. Or if you want to do a program. When you say narrative, you mean like a... A, a DI or a, a prose. Okay. Yeah, a DI or a prose, something that to memorize. Because uh, they weren't focusing on platform at the time. Uh, and I was doing a DI. This is for East Los Angeles East College? East Los Angeles College. Yeah, East Los Angeles College. And uh, I did that, memorized that, and I was taking it to tournaments. And mm-hmm. they just kept putting me a novice like over and over again because I wasn't uh, showing that I was ready to go in varsity. And yeah, how did it fare? What happened? Um, so a lot of people liked that I, I was emotionally invested in my piece, mm-hmm. but they they everyone kept saying they couldn't understand a word that was coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And what do you attribute to, that to? Uh, I'm an ESL student. Like I only spoke Spanish until I was 12 years old, and I started speaking English. But I was speaking English. Thanks to Ice Cube, DMX, and Jay Z, so I kind of had like this New York accent, but at the <laughs> same time like second language, so it came out like very mumbly. Yeah, and like to this day, people are like, "Are you from New York?" Like people still ask me that, but it's because like that's what I consume, so I can learn how to speak English. Yeah, and um, a lot of people just you should have been watching like Three's Company episodes, man. Probably I don't even know what show that is, but yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking Frasier. That's the only one that I Frasier? Know. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the one that I couldn't watch. You sound like you're from Seattle. <laughs> I didn't even know they were from Seattle. Yeah. But uh, that I, I struggled with that a lot, and that helped me now. Because now I can talk to people, and they fully understand me. So I'm very thankful for forensics for that. So what do you remember what the piece was that you were doing? Was it a prose or a DI? It was a DI. It was uh, from a podcast, uh, This American Life, mm-hmm. I believe it was from that website. Yeah. And it was a story about a brother who works at a, um, I don't want to say the word, but it, it's not the correct word, but like a mental asylum. Mm-hmm. and his Mental brother, institution? Mental institu- institution. And... His brother is in a mental institution. Okay. And he's constantly trying to convince himself that his brother has a mental illness and not him. That he's not his brother. He's better than his brother. Uh-huh. You know, he's the one that holds the keys, not the one that gets locked up. Right. Uh, so he's struggling with that and um, struggling with his sanity. And then at the end, he talks to 
one of the patients who, for the first time in his life, looks sane. And she's just smoking a cigarette, and she's like, What's up? It's going to be okay. Yeah. She tells him it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then she walks away, and the next day she, like, is acting, like, insane again. But it gave him some some peace, some calm. Yeah. I really liked it, uh, but I did struggle with it a lot, and then I hated it. <laughs> did someone hand you that piece? Yes. Yes, I, yes. I, I have kind of a philosophy about that. I'm not sure. You know, I, coaching a lot of middle school stuff, you mm -hmm. come across some literature that you're going, this is great. Mm -hmm. You know, I coach so much middle school, I'll hand something to a – uh, you know, a seventh grader, and they'll go, "Okay, I, I guess I'll do it." And I'm going, ah, "Man, you don't, you don't appreciate what it is." And then I have to realize, I have to check myself and go, "That's that's because it's me, right? Yeah. It's my experiences, yeah. and that's my appreciation for this literature. And yeah. it's not you. You got to appreciate your own literature. You got to find your own literature. And I find that sometimes you hand literature to people, and they they just it doesn't quite click. I wonder if that piece. Not to say it didn't click with you, but maybe there might have been better pieces to, to hand you. I you completely know? agree with that, but it was my own decision because mm. they gave us like a list of them. Mm. And, and everyone, you went through and kind of found one? I didn't, I didn't go through. Everyone else kept going through them and saying, oh, I don't like it. 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 And in my mind, I thought, look, I get to pick my second piece, so I'm just going to take whatever. Oh. And memorize it, and once you guys think I'm good, I'll get my second piece, and I'll do my poetry program about love. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that go? Uh, it didn't happen because <laughs> Raul Herrera was uh, doing a program about, about love? love with the poem that I wanted to use that, oh. that that's infamous. The um, what's his name? The, the dude with the beard, and he and he has like OCD, and he's like, I flipped the, li the oh, switch yeah, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on and I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Neil Hillborn. Was Neil Hillborn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, OCD. I yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted to do that piece, uh, but he was already using it, so they're like, "You can't." So I was like, <sighs> and then I wanted to do a, a poetry program about passing privilege mm -hmm. and like uh, the trials and tribulations of going through that. And the coaches were like, "No one wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that." And then uh, they said to do a piece on white guilt. And I felt weird about that because I didn't identify as a white person. Mm -hmm. um, but I really liked the poems. Like, just to be frank, I really liked the poems. So I was like, I'll do it because the poems are really beautiful. Uh, but, yeah, I did that. And I didn't get that up until state. Mm. Until state. And that was my best, uh, like, ranking-wise, that was my best event. So I kept thinking, man, I should have just started with this. Yeah. I should have just started with this. I should have just started with this. Well, I, and it's, that's always that's always bittersweet when you have a piece that does really well late in the season where you're going, mm -hmm. man, I could have had so much more out of a piece like this. Yeah. So that's your first year. How did, yeah. how did you end up faring at State? At State? I didn't break at all. I okay. didn't break at all, but... Did you go to Fire Pie that year? I went to Fire Pie. I did not break. Uh, I almost broke. I totally messed up because of one of my rounds. Uh, making the long story a lot more condensed. I'm practicing my piece because I know I have a round, and my teammate, who I love dearly, uh, tells me, hey, you're performing the intro wrong. Mm. You need to emphasize this part of the of the intro. Do you remember what it was? I don't remember the words, and honestly, but I, I remember that I wasn't saying it like a statement. I was saying it kind of like a question. Mm. Um, so I kept practicing, practicing to make sure that I made it a statement and not a question. And I go to the round. 
I do my my teaser and I feel it like I feel the energy in the room like I've I've said this because I'm very narcissistic that I'm the most electrifying man in forensics because I feel the electricity in the room it's not true but I like to tell myself that uh and I felt it and I'm doing my intro and I'm like I got this man I got this I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it to finals I'm gonna beat Raul like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this and I get to the part where I'm supposed to make it a statement and not a question and I make it a statement and I don't remember my next line. <laughs> <laughs> and I freeze for like a minute and a half, for oh, like a man. minute and a half. And it's just a minute and a half, but it felt like forever. It felt like forever and like everyone knew. And you say it's a minute and a half. Is yeah. it really a minute and a half? Yeah. I went a minute and a half over time than what I normally went because we yeah. were always uh, timing on us. Yeah. And I always went um, – it could have been that, that I went over time too. Uh, but I normally went like nine minutes, nine minutes, 30 seconds, and that when I was – you know, I I have a theory about this. When people do that, when people when you change something, like mm-hmm. you, you know, whoever it was that told you was it was that role? That no, it was Nicholas. Okay, Nicholas tells Nicholas you uh, change the way you say it, and you change the way you say it. And I think in that moment, you're listening to yourself, mm-hmm. and probably what that means is that the way that you were doing it before, you were on road, you were on autopilot. Yeah, and. Now that you're actively listening to yourself, you're like, well, I don't know what comes next because you've yeah. not actively been listening to yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I see that all the time with some students where you're like, okay, try saying it this way. And they'll say it that way. And then like, I don't know what comes next because the only way they know what comes next is if they continue with that same pattern, that same rhythm that they've yeah. always said. Yeah, it's like a song. Yeah. That's how I memorize it, like a song. Yeah. So I know that it's like that, 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 And when you switch it up, it's like that, that, that. Wait a minute, what? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, uh, so you you discovered something there. Yeah. You obviously did not do well in that round. Uh, no, 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 no. I well, it was funny. I got I got a uh, fourth. I got fourth, and oh, the other well. people got other people got fives. And I was like, I went over time. I still got fourth. That's good. Yeah, but <laughs> I I knew it was over. I knew it was over. I knew it was over. And I was like so bummed out. I was so bummed out. I was like, maybe my di will do something. Yeah. I doubt it, but maybe. Um, and yeah, they uh, saw the results, knew that I didn't make it. This was, was at like, Fyro, right? Yeah, it's okay. at Fyro. Um, and I was emotional because Junior or Raul, his name's Raul, but we call him Junior. Junior was like genuinely more upset than me. Mm. Like he was more upset that I didn't break mm. than, you know, than me not breaking. And it got to me. It got to me because I, wa- I wanted to beat him. And he wanted, you know, me to push through and see how far I could go. So the fact that my story ended for that year, these events ended for that year, really bummed him out so much that he felt a need to, like, walk towards me and give me, like, a really warm hug. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> and ever since that day, we have that joke of uh, the goodwill hunting. I'm no. like, it's not your fault. It's like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> like, no, but no, it's not your fault. <laughs> no, no. It's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. We do that all the time. Now for, well, not every time, but it went, whenever we see each other. Uh, but, yeah, it was – I appreciated it a lot because it, it taught me very much in forensics, and it's my personal paradigm in forensics that, like, the piece of wood, this trophy, will be, like, nothing. Uh-huh. It won't be worth anything. In a couple of years, you know, um, but the connections that you have with other people are what's going to last. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm more thankful for all the connections I've made and the friends I've made than like 
the little recognitions I've gotten here and there, even though I am thankful for that too, but they don't mean as much as the connections I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, walk me through your second year. So during the summer, are you kind of hell-bent on like, okay, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take the world by storm? Yeah. Okay, so what, what happens? So I have to say this because this is very important. That was the first year that Elac ever broke. That was the first year we ever broke at, at Fire Pie. At Fire Pie. And not only that, but the first time we ever had people that won. Like, we had champions. Raul was the champion in poetry. Like, he low-cumed poetry. Um, and because I had that rivalry, I was like, I have to beat this. I have to beat this. And we got third place in our division. And I was like, I need to beat this. We need to get second or first. And I need to get two championships. I mm -hmm. can't just get one. And started working started trying to figure out what was wrong like i was reading all my ballots throughout the year and a lot of them were um i don't understand what you're saying um a lot of them were like you get into a speech pattern and stuff like that so it was just like l figuring that out and studying it and working hard and just going hard 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 and i was just dedicated the whole year like right now it's a blur to me everything that happened but it was just like go hard go hard go hard i was so dedicated and I had a beautiful team, man. Like, frankly, we had a really good team that year. We had a really good team. Uh, Liliana, we had Chloe, and then Gordon, of course, who was, like, my other rival, but not the same way as Junior, but uh, very much so. Us three are, like, rivals with each other. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know where to go now with this. Well, so what happened your second year? You come back, and, and you're doing what events? You know, I mean, I'm assuming you're probably going to still do some DI and poetry. Yeah, for sure did poetry because I told them, like, this was my best event at State mm -hmm. and at Fire Like, I need to do this first. And they told me to find lit, and I found a bunch of lit, and there was this one poem where it was, like, making fun of, like, poetry performances. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what to do with it. I had no idea what to do with it, but I just liked it, so I showed it to my coach. And he was like, oh, we could do something with this. Where did like, you find it? Uh, I was just watching online. I don't remember if it was Some, Button or if it was... Uh, lost in the YouTube hole or something like that? I don't think it was lost in there. Um, I think it but might you know have been what I mean? Like, you voices. just get lost in the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I was just watching video after video, and, like, it was just one that popped up. Um, and <laughs> I don't even remember the name or nothing. That's why I feel bad, but... But you, you perform it. Your coach says, this is we can we can work with this? Yeah, we can work with this. And I said, well, what? Like, what are we going to talk about? Like, I don't know, but it's good. Like, we'll yeah. figure it out later. Um, and then my other coach, Ryan Smith, who is phenomenal, who is very phenomenal, like, he taught me how to be a champion. Uh, instantly came up with an idea, started finding other lit, and then we started, like, cutting it together and all of that stuff. Mostly them, because they wouldn't let me. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt some type of way about that. Like, nah, let me let me do it by myself. Let me do it by myself. But they they were very confident in that piece, and I loved it. It was really good. Uh, oh, and then I forgot. Rudy Francisco came out with the complainers. Yeah. And they were like, you have to use this on a different program. So yeah. I did a POY too. Um, I actually did the POY first because of the poetry situation that we didn't know what to do with it. You're still that, trying to figure out where, yeah, where it belonged? Yeah, so we just put a pin on that poem, and we're like, well, we'll get to it later. And we went with the Rudy Francisco. With doing Rudy Francisco, was there a – because it's, it's a well-known poem. Yeah. Was there an effort to kind of 
I assume it just came out. Is that what you? Yeah, mean? it just came out. Was there an effort to go to tournaments and kind of lay claim to it? Like, yo, this oh, is yeah. mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they. That's the reason. That was the other reason why we had to put a pin on it because they were like, this just came out. This is really good. We need to take this out. The other poem came out like a year ago. Mm. So like, like you said, like to lay claim for it. So yeah, definitely, definitely. There's definitely a strategy to that. Of. Oh, Ryan Smith has strategies to forensics without a doubt. And I don't agree with all of them, but he definitely has them and they definitely work. Uh, but it's just, you know, everyone has their own personal paradigm. So you wind up doing uh, a POI, you wind up mm -hmm. doing a poetry. Mm -hmm. How does that go? What's your, what's your flagship piece? What's the best, so my best flagship, piece you've got? The, pe the best one is the Rudy Francisco because it was Rudy Francisco in my book. <laughs> um Literally, it was Rudy Francisco in your book. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. Um, we go to the first tournament, and it's, I believe, the Lancer. If it's not, then I feel bad. But as far as I remember, mm -hmm. it's the Lancer. Um, I'm so nervous. I'm so, so nervous, like more nervous than I've ever been because the whole summer I've been working, and the whole summer I've been telling myself and my team we're going to win. Like we're not just going to do well we're not gonna viral. exist we're not gonna be there yeah. we're gonna win you want to dominate we're gonna dominate like right. we're gonna be number one in our division yeah. we're gonna get nothing but champions like everyone's gonna get first place they're just gonna see like oh man they got all first place like and i was preaching this so much that i was so nervous i like what if i fail like if i mess up man i was scared you talked a big game i talked a big game i talked a big game so i was really scared the only thing that like made me laugh that day was uh i was wearing thick sunglasses and i was walking around and i kind of had a little stubble and people were like man you look like pitbull man you look like pitbull <laughs> <laughs> and that bugged me but i couldn't help to laugh because i was like man just because we're both light-skinned latinos that are bald with a little bit of stubble we're supposed to look alike like i look nothing like him but it, it made me laugh, especially because they were like yelling out like his catchphrases, like, like, andale, andale, dale, 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 and stuff like that. Uh, but besides that, I was so nervous. And I go up there, give it all I got, and I make it to finals. And it's the first time I ever made it to finals. This is the first time I ever, like in my whole run of forensics, this is the first time I ever made it to finals. And now, I'm like, this is, I, I just want to yeah. pause for a second. There's no divisions here at that tournament, I think, right? It's all... There's no novice division or rookie division. I think it's just everybody. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And So it's an open division final round. It's an open division final round, but because it was so small, there was only three finalists. Okay. So we were for sure going to get first, second, or third, and it was just a round to find out who's getting first, who's getting second, who's getting third. Right. And I know my friend Cameron is there, and Cameron is a phenomenal performer. Like, I saw him last year, and I looked up to him, so I was scared of him, but I still wanted to, like, show him, like, look, man, I'm, I'm good, too. I'm dope. And it was a magical performance. Like, I have no other way to say it. It was just a magic – because my teammates were there, and they were really, like, like, supporting me and, like, hey, like, we might actually, like, do this. Like, this might be a really good, like, first step mm -hmm. to the claim of, like, winning everything. And I go over time a little bit. Not really. I went 9.59. So, like, just made just it. Just shy. Just shy. Uh, but I just enjoyed it. I really just enjoyed it. Like, whatever happens, whatever. Like, I've already succeeded so much. Like, I'm just thankful for this. And I won. That was the first time I won. And 
That's great. You make it to finals your first time and you win. Yeah. Uh, well, it took like a year, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think it's also a testament to you prepped. I mean, it sounds like all during the summer you're yeah. actually starting to work. I remember having that conversation with so many people every year at the end of the season. It's, man, this summer I'm actually, after nationals, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to get everything together. And that. nobody ever does it. Everybody always says, oh, I'm going to work all summer. I'm going to work all summer. And I don't agree does. with that. You don't agree with doing that? I don't agree with doing it as soon as it's over. Like, you need a month off at least. But what I'm saying is people always make the claim of, oh, yeah. this summer I'm going to do something, yeah, and they never do. It's always these false promises, and then, you know, uh, September, October starts rolling around. They're going, well, I guess I should get started now. And it's people I, – I think you're right. I think yeah. you need some time off. But I think the people that do what you did, mm -hmm. which is start working during the summer, start getting your ideas mm -hmm. out, start trying to figure out what are my problems – if you could do that early on, you've got a real shot, especially at the beginning of the year when yeah. nobody else has got their crap together. Yeah, you exactly. You come in and just dominate. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I totally believe in that, that you should maybe like work if you really want to, but you have to at least take a month off because mm. you, you will burn out. In burn my out. book, you will burn out. You will burn out because you're just going so hard. I mean, unless you're young because I was kind of old already. But Well, and that's something I do want to touch base with you about. I mean, you came into into speech and I keep saying speech and debate, but I guess you didn't do debate, but the speech world, yeah, I guess. Forensics. Forensics. Yeah. You came in when you were uh what you said twenty three? I was twenty three, yeah. So I mean you're you're a little bit older than oh, your average person. And I had done the same thing. I came in uh I think I was twenty five when I mm -hmm. first started, twenty six, something like that. And did you find that being a little bit older gave you an advantage? Or do you feel like put you at a disadvantage? Um I felt that way, like, my last year competing, that it kind of put me at a disadvantage, but, like, it was totally all in my head. Um, I know that now, but at the time, uh, I felt like it put me at a disadvantage, but it totally didn't. Um, I was just getting in my head. But my first two years, first three years, I didn't even think about that. Mm. I didn't even think about that. I was, I, like, I didn't put them together until I hung out with kids that I was like, oh, you just graduated high school. Oh, you're a baby, yeah. like... You have done nothing. <laughs> like, you have very little experiences in your life. So, Dave Hale and I, we came in at the same time. We had done high school mm -hmm. speech together. And I, I think we felt like it gave us a, a big advantage just being a little bit older and being able to see um, arguments and see, like, the bigger picture and yeah, not yeah, have yeah. to do things that had been done so many times before yeah, and yeah, not, yeah. not be so afraid to push boundaries and things like mm -hmm. that. But the problem was the momentum and the reputation of doing high school and um, kind of having that reputation from high school flow into college mm -hmm. and people that are really that upper echelon that are very elite at doing speech when they when they're doing that in high school you know you if you go to nationals and you do well you get some some final rounds under your belt at high school and then you go to college people know who you are already yeah. and there's already this kind of expectation and you know, you've got a bit of a reputation just yeah. coming in. Whereas if you take five or six years off, mm -hmm. you have to build all the way back, back up to that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I feel like I, I felt like coming in later was worth it, but I could definitely see that there were some problems with, Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. With doing that as well. No. Yeah. It's like you said, you have to build it back up again. Cause even though I had a phenomenal year that year, mm -hmm. I took a year off mm. Cause after your second year, after my second year, I took a year off because I had no plans of this at all. Like I, I came back for school so I can stop working two jobs 
<laughs> like struggling to make the ends barely meet. And I just got hooked. I got bit by the bug and I'm like, my only goal is I have to win, I have to get first place and have a phenomenal year thanks to my team. And it's over and I don't know what to do. I genuinely do not know what to do. And I suddenly get an email from one of my friends who transferred to Eastern Michigan University saying, hey, my professor at the DOF wants to talk to you about money, scholarship, and you joined the team. And I was like, what? Like, what? I was totally thrown off. Like, I understood why my friend Abel Diaz, because he's phenomenal, phenomenal, super talented, would get offers and stuff. But in my mind, I was still just that little Mexican kid from Playas. Like, I always view myself as that little Mexican kid from Playas. So I was just like, what? Like, why would they want me? But it meant a lot to me, and I talked to my uh, coaches, and they were like, yeah, you should run with it. You shouldn't just get them. Like, you had a really good year. You should talk to as many schools as possible. And then I started getting very scared and very nervous, and then I, like, met someone, and, like, it was going good, and if I left, then... Is this mid-year that that happens, or is that no, this is at the end? At the end of the year, like it's over, like Fire is over. And how did you do that year? I mean, you said you had a good year, so I mean, not to measure everything by tournament success, but I mean, did you did you wind up winning nationals? Like, put a cap on that story. Uh, to put a cap on that story, and just the uh, like to be Stone Cold Steve Austin and just stun on people real quick. I'm sorry. I had to give a shout out to J. Cole. I love that line. Uh, I love J. Cole. Um, I had a really good year because I always broke and I always placed. In every tournament, at least one. At least one of my events broke and placed. Mm -hmm. But I still, at the time, I viewed it as a failure because there were some tournaments where I only broke poetry and got third place. And to me, I was like, I failed. My duo didn't break. My POI didn't break. And I only got third in poetry, like I failed. Mm -hmm. And there were other tournaments where I got second in duo, second in POI, second in poetry, and I thought I failed. Because, yeah, they all broke, but they all only got second place. None of them won, so I failed. Um, And at the end of the year, uh, honestly, thankfully for my team, because I realized that it's really the whole team that you have that makes every single person become successful, at least in my personal paradigm. at States, I won POI and got a bronze in p- poetry. Did you low cum POI? Yes. Great. I low cum POI at State. And at FIRO, I got bronze at Duo. And I love that. I mm. love that. Because, like, honestly, I loved every single round that I was in. And I was like, I don't think we're going to make it. And we made it. And I was like, how did we make it? Go to the next round. I was like, oh, man, we're not going to make it. Yeah. And we made it. And then we get to the to the the bronze round and i'm like we're done man we're done and so many people that were in the round were telling us that we were gonna break because they loved our performance who competed in that round they were like you're gonna break and we were like no you're gonna break (laughs) and ultimately they did break and we didn't but i was so thankful because every round was phenomenal like it was an honor to share the stage with every single person there um and then I low cume poetry and low cume POI. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got, what'd you say to Junior? <laughs> no lying. Like, we, we made this joke every single time because he was so happy and, like, put his arms real wide and was like, come here, man. Come here, man. And I get close and I whisper at him, I beat you. 
And he always makes fun of me because he's like, such a beautiful moment, and you had to destroy it to be like, hey, hey, I beat you. <laughs> but I did. I did beat him. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, because of that momentum, they were very much telling me, like, oh, you should do this now. So like, now Michigan is calling for you. Yeah. Right? But I just. So it was Eastern Michigan? Yes, Eastern yeah. Michigan University. And I just finished. And I don't know, I was, I had no plans to leave and suddenly I'm like moving all the way to Michigan and I don't even know what part of Michigan, like, is it Detroit? That was my first question. Like, mm-hmm. is it Detroit? Cause I'll go if it's Detroit. Like I love hip hop and that's a big hip hop spot that's overlooked. Um, I didn't do it in time. And then I thought I'll just focus on it next year. Like I now plan it out. And I did, I was able to talk to a bunch of schools and because of that, I feel like a strong, even though I didn't even go there, I feel like a strong connection to Wiley College mm. just because I talked to the DOF so much. And then, like, I talked to the team members, and they have a beautiful legacy. Like, they have a beautiful legacy. It would have been an absolute honor for me to have gone there. Um, I just ultimately decided not to for two reasons. One was the weather because I wanted to have something different. I wanted to have something different. And, like, Michigan to me was like, it's going to be cold. It's going to snow. Texas, I thought it would just be like California. Mm-hmm. And the second was I got scared. I got really scared because I told them about everything that I did, about how dedicated I was and how much time I spent. And they were telling me that they were expecting that. So I was like, oh, man. And on top of that, I had to get nothing but straight A's. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. And I got so scared. So I decided not to. But I still love that team very much. And whenever I see them do well, like, I'm rooting for them, like, if they're my you team. You feel a connection with them? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And uh, some of the uh, members, some of the team members, like, I definitely have a bond with, like, with Houston. I love Houston. Uh, his name is Jalen Bolden. But I love, like, I just call him Houston because <laughs> he's from Houston. Yeah. Oh, and H- Haley Barley is really cool. Give a shout-out to Haley. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just paranoid. I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you end up doing? Did you you went to Eastern Michigan? Oh, and Air, I love Air. Air, I love you. I love you. <laughs> if you're listening to this, I love you. What did you do? You end up going to Eastern Michigan? I go to Eastern Michigan. Um, I went because of the weather, and on top of that, they said that they were a very laid back team, and that kind of made me feel more comfortable. Because even though I do f- work hard, I'm terrible at schedules. Like. The thing that I say is the Nas quote that's like, I'm never on schedule, but I'm always on time. And I didn't want to go to a team where I felt like they had a strict schedule and I had to follow it. Like, I'll work on my piece for two hours, but I might do it at two in the morning. I might wake up at seven and do what you asked me to do, or I might not do it until like 9 p.m. before I go to sleep. And because of that laid back mentality that was promised to me, I thought, yeah, I'll go there. Plus, like, the the weather, and it was so different, and there was a possibility I could go to Canada, like, to just drive there on my own. Yeah. So I went there. So how was it? My first year was great. My first year was great. It was also really hard. Like, both years were hard, but it was really great uh, because of my roommates. Like, Gerald and Abel, I love them. I love them. I love them. They made it a wonderful experience, and it made me feel more like home because... Abel's from California. He's from the OC. I'm from East LA and California. And then Gerald is from Florida. And he lived, well, he didn't live there, 
but he would visit Miami and he was like familiar with Miami. So we had that laid back mentality mm-hmm. just because in my opinion, the Midwest aren't as laid back. They're not as laid back. And like, you can't make certain jokes over there. Like you just can't. And in the house, we will make so many inappropriate jokes. Like what? What do you mean? I'm not going to, I'm not going to say. Well, I mean, you don't have to describe any jokes, but what do you mean by that? Like, uh, you mean that they're more uptight about like certain things that you say? Yeah. But it's like in a way, rightfully so. Cause like the only way I can explain it is I don't make progressive jokes. Sometimes I make really regressive jokes that are like not okay to say at all. But I do, and I do it with Gerald Abel and, like, people like that. And, like, I personally don't think it's that bad because, like, I'm making jokes about Mexicans. I'm Mexican, you know? But other people were like, no, you cannot even go there at all. Uh, So it was a different atmosphere for me. So you're there. You Their their main... Their main goal is NFA, right? They yeah. go, do they go to AFA too? They do, uh, but the way I looked at it was AFA to them is state. Right. And NFA is FIRO. Yeah. Because that's how ELAC was, that like we cared about state, but we didn't care about state. You know? Mm-hmm. It was important for us to go and to get ready for FIRO, but FIRO's the, the... That was the main deal. Yeah. And that's how they were at the time. They were very much like... AFA is cool. It's important, but it's just AFA. Like it's not NFA, and it's it's um very stimulating in the mind to see how different people are and how their paradigms are totally different. Just because people that are all about AFA have a certain point of view, and people that are all about NFA have a certain point of view, and like it kind of overlaps sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, and it's just a trip for me personally. So how did you end up doing? Did you do as well in the Midwest as you had in, in California or no? No, I, I struggled. I struggled. Um, and it was also a struggle because once you qual, you put it away. Mm-hmm. And I was so thrown off by that. Like To me, it was like, no, I got, I got to keep running this. I got to take it out. I got to get notes and see how I'm doing. Um, so it was a very bittersweet blessing to like qual – uh, my poetry early on, like very early. I was the first person in the team to call an event for AFA. And like, it's bittersweet because it's sweet that I got it, but it's bitter because now what am I supposed to do? That's my best event in my eyes. That's my best event. And I don't know what I'm doing. Like I have DI and I suck at DI because in my mind, I just don't understand what people are looking for in DI. Mm-hmm. I really don't. So, did you you did di you did i did poetry. di poetry and then uh, i was um able able jen i love you both very much uh i felt like i was in dual purgatory uh. uh because they were seniors and at the time they were thinking strategy like will help them but help you at the same time so you can get out um but it with me and Abel, I think it was a bad idea because we lived together. Um, but it would have been it would have been great if we didn't live together, uh, at least performance-wise. But we just could not find the right lit with that. We just could not find the right lit. And then uh, Jen was very busy with school because she's a chem major. So she was super busy with school. 
uh, but I forgot the question. I, told I just you. wanted to find out how you did, like what piece. Oh, oh. So uh, at the end of the year, I did poetry, a prose, di, a duo. Basically all the interps. Huh? Yeah, basically all the interps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically all the interps. I was just thinking because some things got canceled and mm-hmm. then and all of that, but I did five. But I only did four at NFA because at the time they didn't do POI. Um, yeah. And how'd you do? Um, I struggled a lot in the beginning. I struggled a lot because, again, I called my poetry. So because I called that, I didn't know what to do, and they weren't allowing me to do a POI. So I just had to do... DI or pros, and I was struggling with that. I was really struggling with that. I don't know how many ballots I got that said, you're doing this like a poetry. Do it a pros. Stop doing a poetry. Do a pros. Um, but I was thankful for that because I feel like I've grown a lot thanks to that experience. And at the end, uh, I broke pros to octos, and I was super like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, I broke to octos, and I got octo award, I guess it's called. Octos? Mm-hmm. I got octos? Yeah. I don't remember what it's called. Um, Pretty sure it's octa. An octa. Yeah, yeah. I got an octa. I, I, I was uh, corrected by that many years ago. I was like, I always thought it was octo, and it's mm-hmm. actually octa. And I looked it up, and oh, yeah, it is. It's octa. <laughs> I didn't know that. No, but. I just learned something new. Every day is a school day. <laughs> Every day is a school day. So I got an octa, and I had a duo with... Josh, Josh Thompson, and I think we got an octa. I think we got How an octa. How did your team do? Did your team overall? Our team got 10th place, which was at the time, like, the worst the team has ever done. Because mm. uh, EMU has a very rich and beautiful history of loving NFA and dominating and doing well. Right. And then um, – they started to fall from the f- number one spot because they were first. And if you look, like, if you look at the book, if you look at the book, you'll see us just EMU, 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 and then like somebody else, and then you don't see them ever again. Or, oh no, they came back. I forgot when. I'm, I don't have the best memory with that. But even it, with the AFA book, if you look at the very first tournament, it's EMU. Mm. Um, and that's a whole different story uh, that's, like, their own personal thing that I'm not going to throw out there. But it was the worst year uh, we had. Um, Did you feel like there was a big transition going from Fire Pi as your nationals to going to AFA and NFA as your nationals? I mean, was there a huge quality difference that you saw? Was there uh, – was it more difficult or was it easier? What do you think? Um, it was different. I wouldn't say easier or, diff- or difficult. It was just different because they had a different paradigm of what they, they cared about. Like, it was more so in my book, at least in my point of view, my perception of the inter- – uh, my interpretation of the situation was it was more about being clean than being uh, – connecting emotionally. You know, it was more ethos than it was pathos. And that kind of threw me off because my pers- – and I'm not saying that, that it's the correct one, but for my personal – paradigm and i've been repeating that i'm just gonna like trademark that (laughs) (laughs) and make it your own lead into it (laughs) um i'm all about pathos like if i go in there and you make me care you make me cry that trumps anything else Mm -hmm. um but it felt more like ethos was more important like being sharp being clean like performance and attire um because i would actually get ballads like that like they were like you're wearing uh and, like, I know it's tacky now, but at the time, it was like, you're wearing um, 
basketball socks. Like, it uh, doesn't look like you're ready. Uh, and that's all they put. Like, you're wearing basketball socks. doesn't look like you're ready. And, like, I had uh, one of my shoes that busted. It busted in my performance because I had a, a piece in my DI where I would kick someone, and I busted my, my shoe open. And they put that, like, your shoe being open really distracted me the whole time. And I was just like, what? Like, they cared about And, like, so many was like, oh, that shoe looks so sad. Oh, my God, look at that shoe. It almost feels like the shoe is talking to me. Did you continue to wear the shoe? I mean, like, I mean. Well, I was in that in, round. In, the, in that round, obviously. But I'm, I'm saying for future tournaments after that. Yeah. You continued to wear the yeah. same shoe? Because it, to me, it was a tiny, <laughs> it was a tiny, tiny little hole. It was a tiny little hole. And, I like, I only it. wore it for, like, a month and a half because I was struggling to make time to, like, get it fixed. And then I got it fixed, and people I, stopped talking about it. I had a um, semi, an AFA semi round that we were, I was doing duo. And there's a part of the duo where I'm supposed to uh, get down on my knees and standing right behind my my duo partner and where they had us perform it was kind of this big theater and it had like kind of a rubbery floor to it mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to slam down on my knees pretty hard and I slammed down and when I went went down the rubbery floor caught my suit my pants suit mm-hmm. and it ripped both of them just ripped them right open right at the knees my suit oh no and you know I pop up and we continued doing the scene. I didn't even notice it until we sat down, and I had these two huge holes—not tiny, like yeah. massive rips—right, right where my knees were. Yeah. And I said, "Oh my gosh, dude, I got, I got a semi-di round coming up, and everything." And I was like, "What do I do?" And luckily, at the hotel, I'd brought an extra suit. Thank God. So my my dad's there. He runs yeah, yeah. back. He's like, "I'll get you other suit." But I have this other round coming up. So I go in the in the bathroom. It was really cool to see the whole community. People that weren't even on my team were coming in. One guy was a uh, he. His parents owned a dry cleaner, so he knew how to sew really well. And he's mm-hmm. like, "I got you." And he had some somebody had some oh, thread, and, and everybody came together and they helped me get my suit together yeah. and repair for this next round. And I thought, this is. The community this yeah. is it and it was yeah. like they can recognize that you're having trouble they're not on on my team they have no responsibility to me but i've made connections with people and they're going you're in trouble let me help you and uh, that's for the good of this activity just so that we can have better performances and, yeah. and, and save the day a little bit and yeah. be a part of somebody else's journey and story and i thought wow that was so cool you know like that little moment of things that happened to, and i won't forget that with the people that helped me out and that yeah. was really really sweet and, and genuine of them um, but I, I have a, a personal connection toward any story where there's a wardrobe malfunction in the middle of it. So your shoe story really appeals to me. <laughs> well, I got a, another story for you. Then. Go, please. Uh, so I'm at the tournament, and I don't remember which one. I'm terrible at names. Uh, but all my friends are in the round, and I really want to show out. I really want to give them like a real good show, a real good performance. And I had this part of the performance where I like throw my book, but it looks like I dropped it. And then I catch it before it hits the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, but normally I do it like not that low. But this one I really waited for it to like barely hit the ground. And I like duck down to grab it. And I get up and I keep performing. And I'm just going and going and going and going. Then I start feeling like a breeze <laughs> behind me. <laughs> and then it's like going up on my butt. And I'm just like, why is there a breeze? And <gasps> My whole, like, pants from my butt just was ripped open. 
completely. <laughs> and I'm just going, and I'm really in the moments. So I'm like, just keep going, just keep going. And I'm like trying to work around it and trying to avoid people looking behind me. And apparently a lot of people didn't even know. Yeah. Like only the people that were in the front row realized it. Everyone that, was, that wasn't on the front row didn't even realize it. And the round's over, and I immediately, like, sit down. I put my book behind me as soon as I'm done. As soon as I'm done with my performance, I put my book behind me and walk and sit down. <sighs> and I'm just sitting down watching people, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? But thankfully, I brought an extra suit. And it was just happenstance because I wanted to wear the gray suit, uh-huh. but my friend borrowed it. So he brought it, and I was like, all right, sweet, I'll wear the gray suit. And I had the other suit that I wore in the morning. So I just went and changed clothes. Uh, but after the round, I like took off my coat and like wrapped it behind me. You know, yeah. I think I'm, I'm, I've told people this many times, like always bring an extra suit. Yeah. If, if it's a travel tournament, bring an extra suit if yeah. at all possible. And people are like, yeah, 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 whatever, old man. And then every once in a while you have these stories where you're like, I'm so glad I had another, somebody spills crap all over you or something. And you're like, I got to change. And do a little costume change and you're all good to go. No, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That should be like someone's personal paradigm in everything. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you uh, you finished out pretty well. You get a couple octofinals. In, I got a couple uh, octos and then your, I made it to final uh, with my poetry. With poetry. Yeah. All right. And, yeah. and, and what did you end up taking? I got fifth. I got wow. fifth. Congratulations. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. It was an honor to honestly to share the stage with them like straight mm -hmm. up like um and i told this to connor i told him straight up like dude i've the whole year because <laughs> i just i can't help it i love having rivals like for better or worse i love having rival mm -hmm. rivals and i forgot what tournament we watched uh, might have been norton but abel my roommate a dear friend of mine was sitting down with me and we're watching and he was like he's gonna win everything he's gonna win everything and i was like mm-mm I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. <laughs> so every time I had a round with him, I was always trying to beat him. Uh, and I never did. But, uh, but it, it made you it, better. It made me better. And yeah. I enjoyed, I very much enjoyed trying yeah. to beat him. I really did. And I told him that, took some pictures with him. And he was kind enough to say the same thing to me. I don't know if he meant it, but I meant it when I said it. Yeah. Um, and Haley, Haley was there. And, like, I was with her because in NFA, even though you go to Octos and then – Quarters, quarters and then semis yeah. and finals the person that you had that broke from octos is going to be with you in quarters the person that was with you at quarters is going to go to semis semis and it like it's the same person there or at least from the three people that made it because yeah. it's just the same three people going forward and i had her all the way since octos and she really did a phenomenal job because I kept thinking about, like, man, she's still bringing it. Like, every time I watched her, like, she's still bringing it. She's still bringing it. She, she's, like, it was such an honor for me straight up to share the stage with her, too. Huh. And with everyone else as well. I just don't have a strong enough connection to say that. Like, yeah. I just don't, like... I love all y'all. I love yeah. every single one of y'all that were in the round with me. Uh, I know the other two a little bit better. That's just what it is. So take me into your senior year. How does that go? It sounded like there was a little bit more more problems and maybe some strife that was happening your senior year than there was your junior year. Yeah. Well, I took a month off because I personally feel like you have to take a month off. And then I came back and 
I was never in this position before, um, but I was in a position that they're expecting stuff from me. Mm. The first year, they weren't expecting anything. I've never done this. Like, they're not expecting anything. Second year, not expecting anything because I did really terrible the first year. I never broke. I never broke at all the first year. Uh, so they're not expecting anything. And then the third year, they're not expecting anything from me because I took a year off. So they're like, he might be rusty. He might not do good. But it's the fourth year. They're expecting a lot from me because of my record. And I was, frankly, the best that that returned. So they're expecting a lot from me. And um, it's, I'm not trying to be disrespectful or nothing. It's just honestly how I feel. I felt, like, creatively shackled. Like, I couldn't really do what I wanted to do, and it was very difficult for me because from the start, from the first day, I had ideas, but the first two years, my coaches were like, hey, you'll do it in the four-year because in the four-year, you're, like, you're on your own. In the two years, we help you out and we really guide you. So I was very much, like, egotistical, thinking, like, no, I need to make the decision. And... That was very much a struggle. It was very much a struggle with that. And, again, going off on the worst year of the team, and now I'm the senior. I'm one of the seniors of the team. Like, how is that going to happen this year? Are we going to have an even worse year? Are we going to, like, fall off the top ten? Because at the time, they've never fell off the top ten. So they were like, is that going to be my legacy for the team? That Mm I so you're gonna them. push them over the cliff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I push them over the cliff, and they end like they're never in the top ten again. Um, so it was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure, and I lack conviction. I honestly just lack conviction. Like I really think about it, and I lacked a lot of conviction throughout the year because I kept thinking I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and no, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. Like, kept changing your mind. I kept changing my mind. I kept changing my mind. On what to do because I in my mind I didn't want to be the team leader that I was for Elac because it takes so much out of me it takes so much out of me and I really sure. wanted to focus on school because I wanted to go to grad school and to this day I'm still trying to go to grad school um, so I didn't want to do that but they were kind of pushing me that I should do that and then I thought maybe I'll kind of do that and then no I don't want to do that and like at the same time, there were so many people on the team that wanted to be the leader. And I was always like, Andos, do you. <laughs> like, you do you. You do you. I'll follow. I'll follow. I'm happy to follow. Um, so it was very much that. It was very much that of a struggle. How did your year end up when it was all over? I mean, did, did you guys make it into the top ten at NFA that year? We made it to the top ten just barely. Just ma- barely made it to the top ten. I got an octa in poetry. I got an octa in poetry, and I got a quarter in prose. I got a quarter in prose and octa in poetry, and I think that's it. Oh, no, I also got an octa in DI, which I was very like, what? Because I was doing a DI where I played two characters and they're twin brothers. Uh So, like... It was kind of like pushing. And one's in a mental institution, and no, the other no, one no, is no, a guard? No. Oh, okay. No, it was two brothers, and they're both uh, Chicanos, and they're, like, getting into this very heated argument in an apartment. And one of them's trying to kill themselves, and the other one's trying to stop them from killing them mm. themselves. Uh, but, I don't know. It was kind of pushing it just because, like, what people get that it's two different people, or the people think that I'm... I was kind of going for the fight club, like... 
same person kind yeah, of thing? kind of thing. So, like, it was kind of, like, throwing people off. Yeah. Well, okay, so when you're done with Eastern Michigan, you move back to the Los Angeles area. Kind of. Uh, I moved back as soon as I was done with school because I still had a couple classes, so I stayed there a semester. Yeah, I stayed there a semester, finished my school, then I moved back. Yeah. And then when you moved back, um, I, I'm not sure if it's right away, but fairly quickly after that. I guess you're, you're coaching at ELAC as, yeah. again, right? And then we we found you. Wilshire Academy found you. Yeah. How long was that after you had moved back from Eastern Michigan? Uh, after I moved back, it was quick. It was like a couple of weeks, but I wouldn't really say that I was coaching, coaching ELAC because I was busy with life, so I would only be there like twice, maybe three times a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was showing up just because I love that team. Like, I love, love, love that team. Like, it's it gave me everything that I have in my life, in my point of view, in many multiple ways. Like, if it wasn't for that team, those coaches, that school, I wouldn't be where I'm at right, right. now. So definitely was there. And uh, Gordon just needed someone to sub. And I was like, I trust you. And then I came here. Yeah, man. So when you come into Wilshire Academy, you know, you've been teaching uh, – Middle school and a lot of elementary school. You've been teaching a lot of that. I know you worked at a couple other academies yeah. briefly as well. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, the trials and tribulations that you've had with that? The biggest trial I could think of or tribulation or just like challenge that I deal with is trying to get them to care. Trying to get them to care because so many of them, they're only there because their parents are making them come mm-hmm. and they don't want to be there. And I've been there before and I've thought about how I felt at school because I, I was a class clown. I was a class clown when I first went to school. And I still remember the day uh, Ms. Munoz, and I, to this day, I don't like you, uh, Ms. Munoz. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was, a, I was a hellion. I was a hellion. Um, I was going crazy, making everyone laugh. And she just stops. At first, she was yelling me to stop, but then she just stops. Stares. And it's like, everyone take a good look at him. Take a real good look at him. Give him all the attention because his parents don't give him any when he's at home. Oh, man. And it got me and it, like, broke me down because my mom and dad were never home. Yeah. My mom and dad were always working, so they weren't giving me attention. They were always home. And it, like, I genuinely cried right there in the class. And then, like, after that, I was like, I'm not, I'm never going to be a class clown again. And because I had that relationship with that teacher, I was like, I don't want to that's, shun. That's so brutal. That's like, uh, that's that's an awful way to go about solving the problem. I agree, uh, but it's it, you know she was she's human. You know she's human. I don't like her still, but she's human. You know it, it happens. Yeah, but Hitler was human. You're gonna give him a pass on that? I mean, oh no, 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 no. There's a certain point where it's like you're irredeemable now. But she just you know said some something because she was emotional like I was very difficult with her I was very difficult with her because I was a class clown and she couldn't teach her class you know yeah. um, and she would send me to the to the principal and I would go chill with the principal hang out and then come back and make more jokes um, but because I had that experience I was when I was teaching at other academies and here I always think that like I don't want to be that person. I don't want you. I don't want to dim your light. Like, I want to make sure that, like, right now with Edgar, I love his energy. I love his energy. But sometimes it, like, you know, it's distracting. So it's, I want to figure out a way. Every day is always just a challenge of figuring out the way how to encourage that light to keep shining 
but also to be respectful it, yeah. yeah of what of what the class lesson is you know i came into your class yesterday you were teaching uh the elementary students and you know you, you had said oh as a reward for kind of focusing throughout the class we're going to play this game what's in your milkshake and mm-hmm. you know everybody gets up to the front of the room and they have to say uh, a word and and what you know describe what's in the milkshake and everybody keeps asking the questions however silly or strange yeah. or whatever the questions are they have to keep a straight face and a couple of the students that are sometimes problematic in the class, and yeah. I know that class well because I teach it too, mm-hmm. and they were so eager and happy and yeah. having fun, and even the quiet students were having so much fun. Yeah. It was like the whole class coming together as a little community, and I knew when the class was over, first of all, they didn't want to go. Yeah, I know, which was funny because it's funny because they're always like, is it time yet? Yeah. And I said, every one of them is going to be back here next week, mm-hmm. and you know, I said, this is a really great testament to you as a teacher. I think you did a really excellent job I of, appreciate that. of taking stu- – some of those students are problematic uh, for a multitude of different yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. just one reason for yeah. all of them, but, like, some are too quiet. Some are too loud. Some yeah. won't focus. Some uh, will only focus on one type of thing. But you're yeah. getting them to listen, and you're getting them to, to come together and, co- like, cohesively work. And I think – there's a real strength to that, you know? And I think especially if you could do it for elementary students, man, it, it becomes easier, I think, when you start working with other students that are motivated and want to be there. I know? hope so. I hope so. I haven't taught those students yet. I have nothing but kids so far. <laughs> well, I I feel like that. I mean, I've, I've taught all different age ranges. You know, my youngest students were, were second graders. My oldest students were in their 90s, and I've taught all of them. And I think if they're motivated to be there, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. You know, most most students that resent being there, it's that's really tough. Yeah. And I, you and I have different styles, but I've always really admired your style, and I like the way that I appreciate you that. you come at them. Um, it's not a it's not a peer, but it's an adult who understands where they're where they are, and I think I that's really important. To. I try to just because I've been there, I've been there, and yeah. I don't want to be. I do not want to be Miss Munoz. I do not want to be her and be like. Everyone get a good look. Yeah. Get a good look at Edgar. His parents are never around. Yeah. <laughs> That's awful. Well, on that note, uh, Israel, we have some questions. All right. So these are 10 questions that we ask everybody uh, that comes on the show. Uh, this is what I like to call the final round. Are the you ready? final round. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Were you superstitious in speech? Oh, without a doubt. I'm, I'm Sinaloense. In Sinaloa, we're superstitious as hell. We're super, super superstitious. So what are some of the superstitions that you follow? Um, this is kind of weird, but I had to take a new book. New book every time? Every tournament. Wow. Because I had to break the book, and I had to – that was the only way I could break. That's the only way I can guarantee I could break is if I took a new book. Wow. Which is funny because in Michigan, I did not take a new book because in ELAC, there was literally a store – that I could go to and buy them, uh-huh. and they were two bucks. So I would go and buy them, like, it's two bucks. Um, but at Michigan, I had to, like, buy them online, and it's, like, 50 bucks for 10 of them. So I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> you go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, very much so. All right, question number two. Who was the competitor you most admired? Oh, that's hard. That's so hard. That's so hard. Competitor that I competed with? It just says competitor that you most admired. Oh, man. Could be somebody you coached. Could be somebody that you uh, saw compete and never got the chance to compete against them. Whatever you want. 
I'm going to go with J. Edward Stevenson. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with J. Edward Stevenson. I never competed with him. I never saw him compete. Um, but because of who he is as a person, I want to be him. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be him when I grow up because I'm still a child. <laughs> Question number three. What's the most memorable speech you've seen? Most memorable? Uh, the one that pops to mind, like so many, there's so many, like, I really want to give a shout out to every single person. Cause I honestly feel like the beauty of forensics is being there because you never know if it's going to happen. Like I've seen so many beautiful performances, like me thinking about it right now in my semifinal round at NFA, Kelsey Redmond had a phenomenal, phenomenal poetry program. I loved it. She didn't make it to final, so not as many people got to see it. Right. But it's still a phenomenal piece, so I really want to give a shout-out to everyone. Um, like her and then uh, Kennerly. Kenner, uh, I call him Kung Fu Kenny, and I know Kendrick's name is that, but like I, I call him Kung Fu Kenny. He had a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful poetry. I loved his so much, too. It made me cry so many times. And then uh, Jalen Bolden had a beautiful D.I., um, I don't know how far that may, and I could keep on going with names, but the one that I'll pick for the list would be Ambams and Lyric, Lyrics, both of their duo. I don't know if you ever got to see it. I don't think so. It's so good. It's what was so it? good. It's so powerful. It's, it's also like horrible because the subject matter, but oh my God, they so powerful. It's um, a performance. Uh, man, I can't remember the name. I'm like embarrassed right now that I can't remember the That's name. That's okay. What's it about? It's about the young lady who was arrested and then committed suicide, supposedly. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the black young lady that got arrested. Oh, I know who you're talking yeah. about. The jail cell that was like, I know, yeah. And it's it's a performance where. The intro said that the there was a, and I'm forgetting because my memory's awful, but the person who wrote the play was saying that the actress should be played by a hundred black women mm. because it could have been any one of them, and it should be only one white uh, police officer, but a hundred black women. So they performed the piece, both of them, as the character, but they. Just the, I don't know how else to explain it. Just the way they chose to like have her talk and then have her talk and then have like poetic uh, stances and stuff like that. Like different versions of the same character? Yeah, it, it wasn't even versions. It was like different moments of the exact same character. Uh. And then they were synchronized at some moments and other times they weren't synchronized. But like it was so beautiful, like f- sonically so beautiful just to listen to it. And like I remember the first time I watched it, Cause it's it's a it's also horrible because it's like horrible what they were doing to her. But there's this moment where they're in their performance, they're arrested, and they're like, "I wish you fucking would," or, or something like that. And I got so excited, I stood up, I stood up from my chair. You're standing like, up now? Yeah, no, I stood up because it was, I was like, yeah, I was so captivated and so engulfed and so invested at that moment, yeah. like. I hate that. I comment. love when you find pieces that you're so enthralled in that you just lose yourself. They're great. Yeah. They're wonderful. I got embarrassed afterwards when I sat down because I was like, oh, my God, I just stood up. And everyone's <laughs> like, who's this little? What the <laughs> F? Uh, all right. Question number four. How do you explain forensic to someone who's unfamiliar with it? Who's unfamiliar with it? Um, it's 
the practice and or study of oral argumentation and in forensics there's a bunch of different ones there's a bunch of different forensics uh levels to forensics and the one that everyone knows is debate that's someone against someone else and there's different ones where it's two against two many other options the one that i do is interp which is that we find literature and that's our evidence to prove our argument nice yeah that that, that was I've done this. I've done it a bunch of times, so I'm like, I got this. All right, question number five. What was your most unusual inspiration for a speech? So my inspiration where it's kind of weird was uh, I love Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy very much. I don't really love him, but, like, he's dope. Okay, you can love him. Yeah, I know I, know I can love him. that kind of thing him. here. No, no, yeah, I think it's dope. But, like, at the same time, I don't think about him as much as I think about my son. So it's like, I don't really love you. I, like, pseudo love you. <laughs> Only when you're around, out of sight, out of mind. Um, but I had a few he, girlfriends that were that way. In <laughs> wow. Uh, so he did this film. I think it's called Legend or Legendary, mm-hmm. where he plays two characters and their twin brothers. And I watched it. I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that in forensics. And because of that movie, is the reason why I struggled so hard to find a piece of lit. We're like, they're twin brothers and they're Chicanos. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that I went out of my way just to do a DI like that because I watched the movie, I guess that's kind of weird. And Tom Hardy's inspiring. (laughs) All right, question number six. Has a speech ever caused you to change? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Ah, man, I hate that I'm forgetting his name, but I still follow him on Instagram. But he had this beautiful performance. It was a POI about gay bars. Mm -hmm. And it very much hit me like, man, I still got room to grow. I still got room to grow. Because just being frank about the situation, growing up on East L.A. and loving hip-hop, I was very much fed to be homophobic. And it wasn't until Kanye West was, like, saying, hey, we should stop using gay as a synonym for whack. Like, that's bigoted. That I, like, realized, like, whoa, maybe I shouldn't do that. And then it wasn't until Frank Ocean came out that I was like, oh, man, I still got to work on myself. Because I felt ashamed like I, it's just the reality of the situation. I felt ashamed to admit to people like I love Frank Ocean, and he's not straight. Mm-hmm. I felt I really felt ashamed, and then I started thinking about like, why do I feel ashamed? Like, what he does in his personal time is none of my it's got business. Nothing like, to do with you. It has nothing to do with the music that I love so much, and it made me realize like, wow, I still I still have room to change. Like I'm still bigoted. I still need to like get that out of my head. It's still in there, and again, it didn't happen until. I saw his performance. I saw his performance about gay bars, and he talked about, like, how people are scared to go to gay bars and, like, they don't want to get hit on, and, like, that's a form of being homophobic and stuff like that. And it got me like, whoa, I really got to, like, reevaluate myself and not be that way. So definitely that's one. But there's multiple. There's multiple ones. But that, that was one, like, early on. Okay, question number seven. What did you do with your awards? Uh, most of them, I gave them away, and then they threw them away. Um, <laughs> Who do you give them to? I gave them to my team, to my coach, because okay. they were, like, putting a bunch of awards up to okay. showcase how how, how the good team ELAC is. Yeah. And I was like, you can take mine. I was like, I'm not going to do anything. And my coach was like, I don't want these. So then he threw them away. And that do you have any left over? Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I forgot about that part. The only ones that I kept was the Fellowship Award because that meant a lot to me. Mm. And, like, I still have that memory of it, of 
having random random peers from the community tell me hey we voted for you hey we voted for you and me thinking like that's sweet i'm not gonna win but that's sweet of you to tell me that and i genuinely didn't think i was gonna win it then i won and then one of my idols jay over stevenson wrote uh like what they're supposed to say for me and it was so like humbling and like i didn't want the spotlight at that moment and it meant a lot to me so i kept that um and then I have the the fifth place. Yeah, I told you you were easy to get along with. <laughs> no, 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 no. Many people, many people would disagree. <laughs> many people would disagree. Uh, and, and I understand because, you know, I'm, I'm a human being, so I'm flawed too. Like, I tell people all the time, I have a list of flaws that go down the street and around the corner. Like, I'm very aware of that. Uh, but the fifth place one, I had it, and then... This is like NFA fifth place? The NFA plus fifth place one. I took it apart so I could ship it, and then I brought it, and, like, it's still... In pieces? In pieces, in a box somewhere. And uh, the low-cum ones, I don't know where they're... Oh, I forgot about the low-cum ones. So the low-cum ones, I gave it to the my coach, and, again, he was going to throw all of them away, but because those two were the low-cum ones, my friend was like, I'll take care of them, and she has them, supposedly. Because I've asked her about it, and she said yes, but she kind of said it like, yeah. Like, she <laughs> doesn't think? even know if she has them or not. All right, question number eight. What speech skill do you use most often in your day-to-day life? Day-to-day, the thing that pops into my head is the private self and public self like being aware wow. being aware that i'm doing that right now like i have to be my public self right now i have to be my private self and being conscious about it like should i be my private self and like show them all my beautiful ugly like me doing problematic jokes and stuff like that um besides that it's listening just because i've realized that's a skill and it's very difficult like even right now I was listening to what you were saying, but I wasn't fully listening because there's so many like nuances, like the micro expressions and stuff like that, that I wasn't conscious of at the time. Those are really good answers. I like that. I like the public self and private. Is it messed up that my private self, my public self should probably be my private self? Uh, question number I nine. Just, I don't agree with that. <laughs> no, I'm saying for me. Oh. <laughs> for me, my, my public version, it should probably be my private version. Uh, question number nine. Why didn't you quit? Why didn't I quit? Yeah, why didn't you quit? Because I'm Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Like, if you look at our history of Latinos, of Chicanos, we're not quitters. We're losers. We've lost a lot. Spain came in. Our other ancestors that we don't really mess with, they came in and, like, took 95% of our ancestors that were indigenous. And even through all that, we were like, si se puede, si se puede. And to this day, you'll see there's... People, there's Mexicans right there. We're selling limonadas. We're selling flowers. We're selling oranges. Like, and that's just what was taught to me with my dad. So, in my point of view, is like you can't quit. You're Mexican. You can lose, but you can't quit. <laughs> we can't quit though. We gonna lose a lot, but we're not gonna stop. That's not my officially favorite answer to question number nine. <laughs> question ten is my favorite question. Right? Oh boy, final round. Yeah, final round. Final question. Final performer. What was the best speech advice you've received? Best. Wow. Wow. Next. 
Next? Yeah. Just next? Yeah. And what to does that mean? dive into that more, Brian L. Smith, Ryan Lando, just like Star Wars, uh, he taught us that when it comes to forensics, and frankly, when it comes to life, when you're done, it's next. As soon as you finish the round, if you did a phenomenal round, if you had everyone crying, next. Don't don't keep thinking about that that moment, that beautiful performance. You you have another round, or you have something else. You have class. You have something else. You have to think about what's next. If you had a terrible round, if you fumbled and you dropped your book, next. Okay, the round is over. Focus on your next round. And it's it's a lesson that you have to think about in life. Um, just because we all all get to the point where in the words of Kendrick Lamar, we make the big picture and make it wallet size and we forget that there's more than just that mm-hmm. and we have to move on. We have to go to the next thing. Regardless if it was something beautiful like just getting married or if it was something horrible like having to go to a funeral, you still have to keep moving forward. Mm. That's deep, man. I like it. <laughs> Israel, thanks so much for coming on this right, show, it's man. It's an honor, it, It's man. been great. Uh, if people it. want to find you, where can they find you? You got an Instagram uh, or I Facebook? I do not have an Instagram. I do not have anything. If you want to find me. Uh, you got to take classes at Wilson Academy. You have to like say hi to me. Uh, <laughs> if you really want to find me, even though I'm not really on social media, um, just look up the name I-S-R-A-E-L-B-E-L-T-R-A-N yeah. space S-I-C-A-R-I-O-S, Sikairos. It's not Sikairos. It's not, that's totally different. Um, that's me on Facebook and on Instagram is I-S-B-S-I-C. Um, I'm never online, so I'm not really going to like post anything. Or they can reach out to us, and we'll yeah, relay yeah. a message to you. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah, want to reach yeah, out yeah. to us, our handle is at Forensic Podcast. That's on Twitter and on Instagram. Israel, thanks so much, man. It's been a, a blast you. talking to you. Uh, it's been a great honor working with you. It's, uh, I've, I've learned a lot by talking and teaching with you, so I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. All right. So until the next round, keep talking. And as Israel Beltran says, next. <laughs> I'm from an actress. Oh, yeah.